This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Known and Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and joining me today are Natalie, Jordan, James and Kevin to talk about the 4-1 win against Derby County at Turf Moor on Monday night. Some sad news to start with, um, the death of Ray Pointer, Burnley legend, second top scorer in the title winning team of 1960. Everyone's very sad to hear about his death and thoughts are with his family. But we'll move on to the football now. We talked on the podcast about wanting a fast start, but we didn't really get a fast start, James. What what did you make of the overall game? It was a strange one to try and assess. Yeah, no, I thought, you know, on the whole, Derby were, in in most aspects of the game, the better side until um, the defence decided to put another spin on the game. Um, in particular, I think the first 25 minutes, we looked really, um, you know, really under pressure. We, we gave them a lot of time on the ball. Um and I think really we were sort of saved by the inability to to cross the ball into the box, you know, in a dangerous enough manner. There was it couldn't have been much surprise that that Derby dominated the ball in the first half, Jordan. They always seem to do that, but they didn't really create a lot despite being on top in that first half. Yeah, I think they had a lot of the ball. They move it around well. Like Paul Clement, I think he brings that frost in from Real Madrid. I think he wants them to keep the ball, but whilst they've got someone like Chris Martin up top. You can't really do that with with a guy like who's not very mobile, and I, I don't think they played to his strengths at all. Um, they needed to be more direct, Burnley in the first after the first half because they were just they were so slow in moving forward, taking touch after touch in midfield. And uh, I think that the dash he's been he's at them a few times half time recently, and I, th- I think he did well to to set them in the right track second half. Two goals in a minute brought the first half to to life. Natalie, what did you make of? Uh, the Derby defending for the goal. Was there anything Burnley could have done to stop that Butterfield strike? Probably not. Um, oh, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a strange one, really. Is that you know every now and again in this division you do get hit by one of these absolute wonder strikes. Um, I think the, I guess the concerning point from our defence is the speed in which they kind of ran through our defence and created themselves this huge amount of space to be able to get a shot like that off. Um, so I think that's something we probably need to look at. Um, other than that, you know, how, how do you legislate for somebody getting, you know, he could do that 10 times and probably would only hit maybe two of them at most. So I guess maybe, yeah, build up play, we'll look at it. Maybe don't let, let them get into the box as easily. Um, but the actual strike itself, I'm not entirely sure you can do an awful lot with. I think, I think for me, the issue there with their goal was um, 
obviously it was a strike that, that no one's going to stop. But the way we let him advance onto the edge of our box without any pressure on him, I think that's really one way you're looking for, you know, one of your midfielders probably to close him down and, and try and get a block in. Mm. He's capable of doing that, though, Busfield. He has scored a few, um, maybe not quite that good, but he's capable of scoring from distance. So maybe it's just a case of not quite being fully switched on after the goal. Um, Kevin, last week we talked about a game of two halves at Brentford where we started incredibly and then were hanging on in the second half, but totally different this week where we were hanging on in the first half and then blew Derby away in the second half. Uh, definitely, and I think Sean Dyche talked after the game about um, about about the patience um, that the team the team showed, and it's been it's been a theme throughout the season. I think as um, as we I don't think. I can't think of a single game where we've played well for we've played well for ninety minutes, um, but what we have done is when we the, the periods when we do play well we've we've been pretty lethal, um, and that showed again. Like you said, I think for the first maybe um, maybe fifty minutes, I think even we started the second half slightly slowly. Um, but the first fifty minutes, we were we were far by far second best. I think we looked like. Um, well, certainly nowhere near a top of a league team. Anyway, um, particularly in the first half. Um, but then, when we did when we did start to come forward, we, we made our, our 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 moves forward count, which is what Derby failed to do. Um, I think that's been been the, the theme of the season, really. That we don't need to play ninety minutes. It's when we do have those spells when we play well, we we make them count, and the opposition doesn't. The, the first half, uh, there was a lot. Of, I was watching the game in the pub, so checking Twitter sporadically. And there's a lot of people unhappy with Burnley's performance. What was the mood like at the, at the turf, Natalie? Was the concern among the fans that, that Burnley hadn't quite got in the game? I think concern's probably a harsh word. There's certainly, it was. I think before the game, there was a lot of positivity, and everybody expected us to beat them. I think we've been on a really good run recently, and um, confidence is high within a very short spell of the first half, reality hit home. And I think most of the crowd maybe were a little bit like the players and had this subdued, well, it's almost like the excitement was crushed out of them for a moment. It was like, oh, this is actually going to be a really difficult game and they are playing a lot better than us. So I wouldn't go as far as concerned because I don't think, I don't think it was as, as bad as, as some performances have been. You know, we weren't, you know, completely, completely dominated in the first half. We, we didn't play terribly. It's just they were the better side. Um, but you always felt that they were going to get better, and I think I think I, there was a feeling in the in the ground that half time, you know, would have been welcome. It, it did seem to be a different Burnley team after the break, and essentially within fifteen minutes of, of the second half starting, the game was won with the two penalties. Um, Jordan, how much of the of the penalties was down to our good play, and how much of it was down to Derby's? Defending, I'm assuming there's absolutely no question from you about the penalty awards. No, not at all. They were both clear cut penalties. I think Clement came out and admitted that himself after the game. Uh, just good play by Andrew Gray, really. He um, he turned Keogh inside out. He took Shackle on as well for the first one, and those two, they didn't really cover themselves in glory. The two centre and the second one with with Shackle's handball. You, he's can't, he's got two hands on the ball, and you think what what you're doing? And he's uh, the movement of Gray. He's turning. One way he's turned the other, and we we know from watching Jason Shackle for the past three or four years that he doesn't like pace against him, and he you could tell if we could get enough space in behind with Gray on his shoulder, he we could get a bit of joy in the second half. And as they tired, that's what happened, and and in the end we got a lot of luck, but it was a it was a deserved victory in the end for me. 
Yeah, I, I read, a, I read a, a match report this morning um, that said all our goals were were down to luck. Um, and I think all lots, lots of match reports have talked about our luck. But actually, yeah, you can talk about a bit of luck with, with the last goal, but I think all three goals were uh, were very much from from our, our excellent play. The first one, uh, first goal, which is the own goal, um, that's not that, that wasn't bad play from from a defender. That was a fantastic, uh, both a fantastic cross um, and a brilliant piece of movement from Gray. Um, Keo had absolutely um, he could have done no better. I don't think he was he was dragged to where he was by by Gray. Um, and the, the first penalty Gray does just fantastically well. Um, again, that's not luck. That's Gray being bit green, being Gray. Uh, and then the second one. Um, you know, no, again, a, a fantastic cross, and it comes to Jason Shackle in, in a really awkward position. Okay, he moved his arms a little bit. May, we might not, might not have done, but I think that was because of the, both the cross and the and the again the excellent movement and grace. So uh, a little bit peeved by some of the, the comments about saying our goals were lucky. Um, I'm glad you've brought this up because I wanted to talk about this. I think it, it, if you look at the whole picture with. Sort of two goals that could be described as own goals and two penalties. It's easy to look at that and say it's lucky, but Derby not being able to defend isn't us being lucky. That's them being incompetent, and we forced that bad defending with good play. As you've rightly pointed out, Gray was fantastic. I thought it was arguably one of his best performances this season, even though he only scored one of the goals. Um, Natalie, what's your view on this? Was it luck or, or bad play, or what, what's your view? I, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, when you see all these reports, there seemed to be quite a, a negative reaction to our result last night. I, I know I, I was seeing reports on Twitter throughout the night that the Sky team in the studio and, and pitch side were all talking about how much the scoreline flattered us. And like you say, talking about the element of luck for all of the goals. And there seemed to be no credit given to our side at all. Like you say, you've got to force defenders in, into a position where they make stupid mistakes. And, you know, you, you don't do that by sitting off them or just not forcing chances. We created so many more chances than they did last night. Yeah, they looked really pretty in midfield and, you know, they looked kind of threatening when they got the ball. But ultimately, Tom Heaton didn't have an awful lot to do last night, whereas we were creating a lot more. And if there was an element of luck to our goals, it's because we created that luck. I completely agree. I think the difference was, for all the ball they had in the first half, they didn't really do anything with it. We were always quite content, I think, to let them have it. They didn't really have any penetration. Whereas the second half, we were getting the ball into their box way too easily. And they just weren't coping with great all. Um, Jordan, that Derby squad has cost about £25 million to assemble. But to me, it seems to have some pretty blatant problems, namely a lack of team spirit and character and no cutting edge in the final third. Yeah, well, I saw a stat today that the um, they cost about the same amount as, as Leicester, who are obviously now top of the Premier League. And it seems to be the case with Derby every year. Like I spoke to a couple of Derby fans after the game and they said that uh, from the moment they bottled it the first couple of seasons ago, they've 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 spent all this money and the squad is actually worse than it was uh, a few years ago. And the the they flatter to deceive a lot, Derby. And you can see him finishing in the top six, but automatic promotion. I, I, I can't see it happening. Really, I think it's between now Burnley, Middlesbrough, and Hull. I think you're right on that. I think um, even if Derby did finish in the top six, I can't see them getting through the playoffs. I just don't think they've got it in them mentally. Fine, technically, but when it starts going against them, it just, they don't seem to have anyone to lift it. Um, I'm sure we'll come on to Shackle later, but I really felt his head went down as soon as it started going wrong. 
Um, James, the sponsors gave Man of the Match to Ben Mee, but it was another night where there were a lot of big individual performances. Barton was excellent. Matt Lyson was fantastic. Who do you think stood out in particular? I think it's a tricky one to, to pick. Obviously, Sky pitched um, Scott Arfield, which you know is another one you could maybe make a case for. But um, for me, I'd probably have to go with uh, Andre Gray. I mean, he, obviously, he didn't get on the score sheet apart from his penalty, but I think he was just he was just too much to handle for for the two centre backs, and I think that's a lot, you know, a big part of why um, they made the mistakes they did because they, they just couldn't handle him all night. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, I think he didn't get on the score sheet over the penalty, but. He, he he came as close to getting on the score on the score sheet from the role he played. He played in those uh, in those first three goals, so I, I agree. Uh, although his name wasn't on the goal on the score sheet, those goals were were, were, all, were all him. You can credit, I think, Lawson. You could technically say had three assists for the the first one. It was his cross. The second one was it the second? No, the last one he fed Arfield, and the third one it was his ball into the box, wasn't it? But. Gray was on hand as well, so probably a mix between Lighton and Gray being involved in those goals. Well, yeah, I think for me that you know that second penalty, Shackles just panicked that Gray's going to get it, and he, he you know he can't see any outcome other than him scoring, can he? So he, he handles it. And, that's because um, of what happened four minutes earlier, where Gray bamboozled the whole defence and got in the box, and Keo had to bring him down to stop him scoring. That's yeah. why because he's already done it five minutes earlier. Yeah, so I mean, you know, he was I think he was a handful all night, and. Um, I mean, we all know he doesn't get a lot of change from referees, but I think that that physical aspect of play, he just put both centre-backs off the game. Natalie, we've talked about the defending quite a lot on the podcast recently, but still unbeaten since moving to this new look-back four. And Lighton and Ward seem to have added quite a lot when we're in possession as well. Definitely. Um, I really love this back four. You know, we've talked about this before on previous podcasts. Um, it just... There's a there's a confidence about them, and there's a they, they feel like to me it feels like they've been playing that back four for years and years. That there seems to be a real understanding. There seems to be a lot of good cover. If somebody has to, you know, drift out of position, or there's you know somebody needs to mark a different player than the one that they've been uh, marking previously. So, Loughton for me last night was was actually my man of the match. He just shaded it from um, over Ben me, um, but I thought the whole back four were really good and. I've said this before, I, I can't see that back four changing now, I really can't. Well, I think I think we need to talk about Jason Shackle now. Obviously, he had um, a hand to play in one of the goals, shall we say, and the Arfield strike defected in off him as well. It was pretty much the worst case scenario for Shackle coming back to the turf, John. You can't imagine it could have gone any worse than that. He played really well in the first half, though. That was what was so strange. He'd marshaled Andre Gray really well. He did, he did. Um, and I just had a feeling second half with Gray's legs and he was, Folks was kind of pinning himself on Shackle in the first half. So I don't know if Folks thinks he's got a aerial advantage on him or anything like that. But the second half, you just wondered about Keogh and, and Shackle. They're both the wrong side of third. Keogh might be 29. Uh, but with Gray's legs, you'd, you'd think, but we, we've seen Shaq's foot for years and he's. Uh, I think Dice in the press conference after he's a big boy, like he's a man. He's, it won't really get to him, but he's, I think his professional pride was definitely hurt last night. So I don't, I don't think in the, all the years we watched him, we saw him ever have a bad, his game as bad as that. I agree with what Jamie said earlier. I think um, yeah, he had. I think he was excellent in the first, in the first half, but as soon as um, as, as soon as that, that first penalty um, incident happened, I think he looked like a rabbit in headlights, and for the rest of the game, he was. He looks terrified every time. Every time we can forward the ball, um, and 
yeah, I think it was excellent. It was uh, it was very nice to hear him starting the game being booed and at the end of the game just being essentially laughed at every time I got the ball, which was uh, very amusing. Probably the strangest reaction I, I can remember to a player from a, a Turf Moor crowd. I was going to ask you about that next, Natalie, because we could only hear bits coming through on the audio on the Sky feed in the pub, but how did it play out at the ground, the, the reactions to Shackle? Uh, pretty much exactly as you've just described it. It started out, <laughs> it started out in the first half. Um, actually, pre-game, when they announced his um, name on the team sheet, they, there was a couple of, of muffled boos, but nothing particularly bad. Um, but then there was a few instances in the first half where he got the ball and there was, you know, the, the boos were getting louder and louder. And then it all started to go wrong. And the, the negative, the booing, just started turning to laughter to then just that ridiculous banter till towards the end it's just like it was relentless you know there's one point where the, the crowd like all all of the the crowd were singing every single song you could ever imagine and um, we had who put the ball in the derby net we had super oh we had just had all sorts of stuff going on it was ridiculous um and everyone was just laughing and then when um when we played the goal um, on the on the big screen, it all started all over again. And then towards the end of the game, every single time the ball went anywhere near him, you sort of had this oh, and then cheering <laughs> when he made, like cheering him when he made a pass and like clapping him and cheering him. It was absolutely, but it was one of those nights that doesn't happen very often to Burnley fans. And I think I was thinking this on the way home. Usually, stuff like that happens to us. Usually, our star players go, and then you know we get all bitter about it, and you know they. Uh, they then come back and have a brilliant, like Nugent, for example, always scores against us. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. It very rarely happens to us where somebody has such a catastrophic return to us. Um, and I'm now going to put Shackle in the bunch of diva players who've left us for better things and it just hasn't quite worked out for them. Uh, like, It's funny how it works out because quite often a player comes back or or an ex-Rovers player comes and he gets barracks and it they lift their game and they respond to it that way, but Shackle just seemed to crumble under it. He did in, in the second half. I it just every single time something went wrong, he looked like they wanted the ground to swallow him up. It was brilliant. It was just, oh, it honestly it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. It was excellent. <laughs> James, what's your view on Shackle? Obviously, there's some bitterness, but I think maybe last night just puts that to bed. That it looks like we're going to be in a stronger position than than Derby with Shackle. We're probably better off without him. Is that fair? Yeah, uh, you know, I think to be honest, uh, a lot was made of him leaving, and you know, people, including particularly Derby fans, saying that they bought our best player. But you know, I think so far this season, the the guys we've had to step up in defence have shown that that really we don't really miss him that much. I mean, I'm sure you know there's aspects of his play that we miss, but it sounds like towards the end, you know, he he was maybe not the best influence on the dressing room, which obviously is rumoured to be why he left Derby first time round. Um, and certainly, Ashley Barnes and, and Lucas Djokovic didn't seem to have much sympathy for him on Claret's player. Yeah, that, that video and goals cam is brilliant, particularly Duke's face uh, when he sees the replay and sees that the goal went in off uh, off Shackle at the end. Uh, what is it? Phil said something about, you've got to feel bad for him, and they were just like, no, <laughs> not even a yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, and Duke goes like, yeah, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, we've not had you on the podcast for a while, but Burnley on a very good run. Do you really sense now that we're going to push on and really challenge for those top two places? We play again before Middlesbrough play, so the gap could be down to one point. Yeah, I think we do. I, I don't really see where he can strengthen the team either. I don't, you can't really predict what, where Dice is going to 
sign players these days. He's very like Paul Robinson signing today. Another straight, well, his backup backup cover, but it's another one you, you just can't predict what he's going to do. Uh, but moving forward, yeah, definitely. Um, I think got we we're, we're strong in most areas up front. We've got quite a few strikes. Even got them two commentating last night. Um, and we've got Middlesbrough to come at home, Hull to come at home. Um, so I reckon get them, get them to the turf and we can turn them over. And I think if you had to put me on the spot, I'd say we're going to finish third. I just, it's just a bit of the pessimist being in me as a Burnley fan, but definitely, definitely I've got a very good chance of going up in the playoffs. Oh, Hull are next at the turf, I think, aren't they? That's going to be a yeah. massive game. Yeah. That's a, another opportunity for us to really put down a marker. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, there, we were their bogey team up until they, they hammered us before the. Uh, well, it was kind of a, uh, a cloud in the silver lining more because we actually got Ward in at left back and uh, me at centre half after that game, and obviously we've been unbeaten since then. So, um, so when we get them back to the turf, uh, I think I think I think we'll turn them over. It's this next Saturday that one. Yeah, Arsenal on Saturday, then the following week. Yeah. will be Hull City. Just checking that I've got that right because I've had a bit of a shocker with the fixtures recently. Uh, Natalie, Jordan... Don't Smith, yeah. <laughs> Jordan's just mentioned uh, the signing of, of Paul Robinson there. Dash had said that he was looking for a backup keeper. Apparently Matt Jiltz has got quite a serious arm injury. Um, but Paul Robinson, probably not the first name Burnley fans would have expected. Yeah, you, you could. <laughs> That's a bit of an understatement. I don't think many of us saw that coming today, did we? It was like, I was like, what? I think I think you tweeted earlier on that it was a bit bit early for an April Fool, and that's exactly how it felt. Um, the the most hilarious thing about the signing for me is, and somebody hopefully will be able to to actually correct me on this, but one of the last times that Burnley were on television, he was in the studio commenting, and I'm sure it was the Blackburn game. It was. It was the Rovers was it, game. Well, yeah. They said something like, are you happy to be here? And he was just like, no. <laughs> just like, yeah, hating exactly. life. He, and he was, you could tell he was absolutely hating it. And after the game, he was so gutted. And I'm like, and now he's on player today going, I'm so happy to be at Burnley. It's like, no, you're not. You're just grateful that you've got a contract till the end of the season. So, yeah, it, it's it's definitely a funny one. It's one of these, I suppose, it's come out of the blue, hasn't it, James? But if you look at it on the face of it, this is vastly experienced goalkeeper. Played a lot of games in the Premier League, the Championship. He's got forty odd England caps. If you're talking about just having someone on the bench as cover for Tom Heaton for the rest of the season, you probably couldn't have anyone more fitting for that role. Plus, the the, the knowledge he's going to pass on to the younger goalkeepers in the squad. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly it, isn't it? And you know, realistically, barring some unusual happening to to Heaton, he's not even going to get a sniff. So. You know, it's just a, a case of having someone you know could play if you need him, sat on the bench, and obviously someone with you know the experience he's got. If there's this point, obviously he must be able to pass on to to other people in the squad, not just the goalkeepers, but you know people in every position. And um, I, I think really that's the reason to bring him in. He, and he probably wasn't the most expensive either. Obviously, there's no transfer fee involved. He was out of contract, and he, he probably doesn't demand a big wage at this stage of his career because I mean he was sitting at home doing nothing otherwise, wasn't he? So. <laughs> I can't imagine it's been very often that we've had two international goalkeepers, two England international. Obviously, Heaton's not on the pitch yet, but he's been in the last few squads, and Robinson was on and off England number one for a while. Can't imagine that's ever happened before. Um, Kevin George Green signed earlier in the transfer window. We'll talk a little bit about him later, but Paul Robinson, the first senior signing, you'd have got pretty long odds on that. <laughs> imagine Paul Robinson being our only senior signing so far. Um, you would have been, yeah. Although, can I just say on George Green? 
Um, I always used to sign him on Football Manager when I was League One team. He was fantastic. So um, I was pleased to see him come in. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great on Football Manager. Excellent knowledge. Top insight um, on the non There we go. <laughs> they talk about Football Manager on Sky Sports News now, so I, I don't see why we can't. Um, on, on Green then, this, this is a player who seems to have, have lost his way a little bit. That He did a big interview in the Guardian. I don't know if you've seen it a few weeks ago. He was still playing for, was it Osset? Osset Albion? But he's, he's obviously worked his way back up. A very talented player. And Dash seems to, to like this sort of, of player who's had problems. Obviously, Barton's the obvious example. Uh, James, I, I can't imagine he's going to make much of an impact this season, but someone who potentially could rebuild his career at Burnley. Yeah, I remember reading about him I think earlier in the season in one of the papers, I think just after he signed for the you know, the non league side he was with. And um it, it seems a very interesting story to be honest. It it sounds like I'd imagine what happens to a lot of young footballers, you know, they get given a obscene contract for someone who's, you know, three or four years away from the first team and the, the money goes to the head and, you know, they spend it all. And um Obviously, I think he's in pretty dire financial straits as well. But, you know, if he can work and prove himself, then he's got the opportunity here to, to earn himself a long-term deal and, and, you know, maybe solve his problems. He scored a hat-trick, didn't he, in a, a dev squad game that obviously earned him the contract. So maybe he's just turning his life around and he could have a very big future and it might well be with us. Natalie, what's interesting for me about Green is that he describes himself as a number 10. And we don't really play with the number ten. We're very much two out and out strikers. Yeah, it's uh, like you say. I don't think anybody's actually placing him. Uh, you know, sorry, thinking about where he's going to slot in on the first team as yet. I think he's a long way off that. Um, so maybe he'll adapt. You know, we, we've seen players come to us and and move into slightly different positions from where they've naturally been playing in in. Uh, in their early years, so maybe he will develop into a different kind of player than he is now, um, or maybe maybe Dyke doesn't maybe he doesn't see him as a long long term future. Maybe he just sees him as an opportunity to get him back on the right track. I mean, that's the kind of thing that Dyke would do as a man as well as a, as a as a, a football manager. So maybe there's, a, there's an element of that in it. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what what happens in the the coming months. Excellent. Uh, we'll move on to previewing Arsenal next, but. We're going to try out a new feature on the No Name Ever podcast. A new feature. You can teach an old podcast new tricks, apparently. Um, this is Natalie's brainwave, so Natalie, tell us all about it first, but don't do the actual thing yet, if that makes sense. It does make sense. So we are starting a new feature, which is going to be um, basically Tweet of the Week. We're going to be looking over um, all the tweets that the fans have sent in, either during the games or during any particular um, news alert that's coming out of the club and we're going to pick your best one and we're going to read it out and we're also going to tweet it as well um, just so that everybody can see the gem that you produced. Uh, excellent. Natalie's picked out this week's but a couple of contenders that I've just seen today that I want to share. Adam, our editor, um, whose username is Adam A. Howarth, I think, has just tweeted a gif of Jason Shackle looking like he wants the ground to open up and swallow him. I've watched that for about 10 minutes straight. I can highly recommend that. And also Ben Kilbride, Ben Kilbride85 on Twitter says, Reshackle, you still definitely would, which um, maybe I shouldn't have read out on a family podcast. Natalie, what is the official tweet of the week then? 
So this week, it had to be a tweet about our friend Jason Shackle. And it's a slight nod towards all of the divas who've left us in previous years because they thought that they were going to leave a club on the decline that's going nowhere and they're going to go for the bright lights of bigger clubs and promise of a glorious career, the likes of Chris Eagles and Tyrone Mears, etc., etc. So this week's tweet of the week is from Burnley Pete. And he's tweeted a picture of the referee pointing to the spot. Um, with his arm in the air and Shackle looking very crestfallen with his head in his hands and they've photoshopped a speech bubble onto the picture that just says the grass is greener over there apparently very good uh, just a note on the referee actually we had a Premier League referee at the turf on Monday night Michael Oliver young referee it was actually a year behind me at university that's his claim to fame not mine um, and I, I thought he did very well two, two penalties that he gave someone said he could have sent Richard Keogh off but I think Overall, considering some of the refereeing performances we've seen, he did very well, didn't he, James? Yeah, yeah, no, I thought he was, thought he was fine. You know, he gave us penalties, which is a rarity for us. Um, and obviously this time he seems to have managed to not take his girlfriend away in the referee's car like he did last time he was at the turf. Um, which he got in trouble for. Was that him? Was that not Clattenburg? No, that was... Uh, oh, Clattenburg was Ed Sheeran, and then, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, and then Clattenburg did the same thing a couple of weeks later to go to Ed Sheeran. No, oh, dear. Oh. A cutting remark, James. <laughs> We've just been applauding the guy for having a decent performance, and James is yeah, like, but his yeah, girlfriend got in his car. Yeah, exactly. Like, just gonna chuck this in the airwaves again. Why not? I'm just saying, little bit of trivia about his previous parents. One for the quiz machine. One of his previous parents. <laughs> Looking ahead, then Arsenal in the FA Cup on Saturday. Uh, they've won the FA Cup two years in a row, so they're going for a third. Arsenal at home. Probably expect them to win, but. A nice change, I suppose, from, from league fixtures. Burnley do have a big game coming up the following Tuesday, though, at Sheffield Wednesday, on Tuesday, at Wednesday, as if I wasn't confused enough about fixtures already. Um, Natalie, you must be looking forward to this game. You're going, aren't you? I am, yes. I am really, really excited about this game, actually. Um, we are... It's just going to be... a. It's just going to be a nice, refreshing change. It's like the Middlesbrough game. We're going there. We don't expect to get anything. We're probably going to get beat. Um, but there's no, you know, it's taken us away from the pressure of the promotion race. There's no points to be dropped. There's no league tables and, and, and the likes to, you know, scour over after the game. We're just going to go down there and try our best. And actually, you know what? We could beat them. You know, if they if they field a weak inside and they just have a slightly off game and we play the way we're doing recently, we could beat them. Well, they'll definitely be without Per Mertesacker who was sent off in the defeat to Chelsea at the Emirates on Sunday. I don't think um, Mertesacker would have actually played anyway, but he's certainly one that they will be leaving out. Um, Kevin, do you think there'll be any rotation from Burnley with that, that league game coming up as well? Um, I'm not sure. Um I, 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 there won't be much. You could potentially maybe see um, Hennings come in. Um, maybe maybe Overstad Marnie. Um, other than that, I can't see I can't see anything else happening. Um, I think there are three players oh. that uh, have not had. <laughs> Hi, James. Sorry, we just I'm lost James momentarily. Yeah, welcome back, James. <laughs> um, yeah, there are three players who've been um, kind of, who I think. Has been in and around the squad, but not had too much football of late. Um, and yeah, you could potentially see any one of those or all three of those come in. But other than that, I can't see anything else happening. What are your thoughts, James? Chances of an upset? Do you think there'll be much 
changes by way of the team. It's been the same team for a few games running now, hasn't it, since Boyd came back in for Kiteley? Not sure. Maybe a couple of changes. Maybe, maybe you know, someone like Kiteley in. Um, maybe Marnie in as well in the midfield. Um, just to, I think, just to give a few other people a bit of a chance. Um, but hopefully, not, I, I think you know we've got a chance. I think there's a realistic chance there. How do you think we're going to approach the game, though? Arsenal obviously traditionally dominate the ball. Do you think it'll be a case of sitting in as long as possible and trying to frustrate them? Um, yeah, I, I think when we got the ball, we'd be pretty pretty direct with it. We'll probably you know not want to hang around trying to outpass them because obviously we're not going to do that when they've got the quality of players they have. I think we'll try and make it you know quick and get up to get up to the strikers, whoever they may be, as, as quick as possible. You know, particularly if Gray's playing and try and use his strength and you know, test him against some Premier League defenders. It will be interesting to see how Gray does, actually. He came off on Monday night with some cramps. He would expect him to be available, but we've talked about this before, Natalie, but keeping Gray fresh and fit is going to be absolutely vital for the rest of the season. Would you Would you risk him on Saturday? No, on that basis. Um, if, if, he's, if it was just a little bit of cramp and there's nothing you know, bothering him at all and there's no absolutely no risk and he's really fired up for it and wants to carry on playing and Dyche thinks there's a real benefit in keeping that first um that starting eleven together and, you know, keep them playing regularly, then then fine play him. Um but if not then then no, what's the point, you know, get Hennings on, you know, give him ninety minutes. You know, he's he's really, really improved since that Cardiff game and, you know, we'd like to see a little bit more of him. I think Sam starting and staying on the pitch for 90 minutes would, is more beneficial because we've talked about this before. We need to keep getting him closer and closer and closer to fitness. He's getting better every week that he gets another 90 minutes under his belt. But, you know, if, we, if we're given a choice or there's any doubt whatsoever, then, yeah, I think he has to drop grey. I think Volts is there now, actually. He did a big interview with the, the Football League paper recently where he said it's taken him this long into the season, but he, he really feels back up to full speed and... You looked it last night, actually. I think definitely last Brentford. Night, yeah. I it was fantastic against Brentford. Yeah. It was okay against Derby. I thought. Um, looking a little bit further ahead, then Kevin. After that Sheffield Wednesday away, they've been on a really good run. They've snuck into the top six. It's going to be another big test. But having had people say we haven't beaten anyone a top side all season, we have just beaten Derby. We've just gone to Brentford and won. We're on this good run. You've got to back us to go there and win as well, haven't you? And let's not forget we beat um, Burrow in the cup as well, whereas it might not be a league game, but we, we still went there. We still went there and got the win. Uh, this is this is a huge test, uh, and, and this this month or so will will be um, a big part of what what happens to us this season. We've got some big tests coming up in in quick succession. There's a good mix of fixtures actually, isn't it? Because the Sheffield Wednesday away, and then Hull at home, but then also in February I think we've got Rotherham and Bolton at home. Two games that you'd expect us to win quite comfortably. Yeah, and I think I think they'll be really important as well. Because I think if you're playing all these, or, or have you got all these big tests, it could be quite tiring, just both both physically and, and mentally. Um, so it's nice to have not not to say these those are easy games by by no means. We're, in fact, we knowing Burnley, we're more likely to get to get beat in, in those two than the, than the big ones. Uh, but it's nice to mix it up again. There's, there's not as much pressure perhaps in those games, um, which P- P- Dice will probably welcome. Um, but yeah, if we can, if we come out of the next month or so um, and still be um, as, as in touch with the top two, or even even better than we are, um, then yeah, we, we absolutely are going to go the other way. 
the Bolton game is away actually so don't try and turn up at the turf for that one because it will be shut um, we'll round off with predictions then Natalie you first Arsenal away in the cup you sound pretty confident of us going there and causing an upset I am confident actually um, so I'm going to I'm going to retest my reverse psychology problem that I've oh, been having no. Oh, you know, you keep whinging about it every week, Jamie, but it's working. Ever since I tweeted that we're never going to score again, we've scored like 20 goals. And every single time I tweet that we're going to lose, then, oh, sorry, every time I predict we're going to lose, we win. So let's test it on Arsenal when we've not got anything to lose. I'm going to say we're going to win 2 0. I can't believe you're messing with the winning formula. Um, James, what are your thoughts? No, no, it's too late. You're on record now. James? Um, well, I was, go- I was going to add in, by the way. Might not be any point turning up at the Macron either because you know the Red Bolton are going that match <laughs> as well. Cup match just folded, uh, yeah. Um, Saturday, I fancy us to, to to nick it, so I'm going to go for one um, nil. It would be a huge result. I mean, Arsenal haven't lost at at home for all league opposition in cups for a good few years. Um, Kevin, you get the final word. Then Arsenal away in the cup. Um... Go on. Um, I think we're scoring quite a lot recently. Um, I'm going to go for. Oh, I'm going to go for a two-one win. Let's be let's be optimistic. Big optimism. Talking about knocking out the Premier League title favourites and defending champions. Interesting stuff. Um, I think the next podcast will probably be after the Wednesday game. We'll have to see how schedules match up. But in which case, it will be um, hopefully the day after that Wednesday game. But that is it for this week. Jordan joined us earlier on, but there's also been Natalie James and Kevin going over the 4-1 win against Derby County, and we're all very grateful to Jason Shackle for his excellent performance. Um, If you've got any feedback about the podcast, please do get in touch as well. The email address is podcast at net. You can also tweet us at nonanevernet, or get us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash nonanevernet. But yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.